You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Yesterday we were looking at boundary cases in terms of the quantity of challah that we needed to remove, or how, sorry, the quantity of chametz. That's a Freudian slip, the equation of chametz and challah. We were looking at the quantities of challah that we need to remove, but we talked, of course, about the identity or the parallelism between challah and matzah and chametz. And today we're going to look at some more parallels, but we're going to go firmly back into the subject of chametz. And remember that we talked yesterday about the fact that timing wasn't very accurate in the time of the Mishnah. So it wasn't as today, you know, we have a doctrine that something that um, dough is chametz after 18 minutes and we can time it with a stopwatch. But they didn't have stopwatches. So they are going to assess whether dough has fermented by how the dough looks. And today we're going to look at a Mishnah which deals very much with how the dough looks, how it looks in the bowl. And just in order to, and this this Mishnah is full of puns. Uh, we're in the seventh Mishnah of, of um, chapter, th- sorry, the fifth Mishnah of chapter three. This Mishnah is full of puns. And just to kick off, I, I wanted to just make sure that we all had a couple of words in our heads. And the the word or the root say are sin ein resh. Sin ein resh, spelled with an ein, means hair. Sa'arot are hairs. So se'ar spelled with an ein means hair. But if we spell it with an aleph, sin aleph resh, it means leavening. It means yeast. So we're going to make a little bit of a play on words between hair and yeast between se'ar and se'or. And and if you don't believe me, by the way, I'm just going to remind you of the Pasuk, which we've come back to time and time after, time and time again, we come back to this Pasuk. Matzot yechelet shivat hayamim. Matzot are going to be eaten for seven days. Velo yara'e l'cha chametz, and chametz won't be found with you. Velo yara'e l'cha se'or. The word for leaven in the um, Tanakh is su'or with a sin and an aleph. The law, yera'e lecha su'or b'chol g'vulecha. So we're going to make a play on words between hair and between leaven, between se'ar and su'or. That's the first thing we need to have in our minds. And the second thing we need to have in our minds is that the root saduk means crack. So saduk means crack. So let, let's once we've got these words in our head, we can just play around with the Mishnah. But I want I just wanted you to have these words in your head. And I put them on the source sheet, by the way. I put them on the source sheet and I put Jastro's definition on the source sheet, too. So it's all sitting there for you if you want to come back to it. Let's have a look at the Mishnah. This is poetic, this Mishnah. Fifth Mishnah, chapter three. Si'ur isaref. Siur must be burnt, and someone who eats it is exempt. Saduk yisaref 
והאוכלו חייב כרת. סדוק must be burnt, and someone who eats it is liable for כרת, for cutting off. So we've got Siur and Saduk, and they both need to be burnt. They're both clearly Chametz, because we're going to burn them. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to destroy them before Pesach. But somehow Siur seems to be, it's less, it's not real Chametz, because if you eat it, you're exempt from Karet. Saduk is much more serious. If you eat Saduk, you've eaten real Chametz, and you're liable for Karet, for cutting off. So now the Mishnah, and I've tr- I haven't tried to translate Siur and Saduk, because we don't know how to translate them, and the Mishnah doesn't know how to translate them. They're untranslatable words, but the Mishnah is going to try to figure out what they're, is going to try to figure out what they're like. So let's have a look. The um, Ezehu Siur. What is Siur? You can see this comes from the root of Seor, by the way, but it's not Seor, it's Siur. Ezehu Siur ke hagavim, like locusts' horns, or this could be like grasshoppers' horns. These are tiny, tiny, fine cracks. They're so thin. They're like the proboscis of some grass. Maybe a, gra- a grasshopper is probably better than a locust as a translation. You know these the, the grasshoppers have got these enormously long horns coming out of their heads. They're just like long, fine, um, sort of uh, feely out things. So siur is, is dough. And on the top of the dough, we can see a little bit of cracking that looks like a hairline crack. It looks like just like the thickness of a locust's horn. Saduk shenit arvu. Saduk is when the cracks have intermingled with each other. This is according to Rabbi Yuda. In other words, we've got these hairline cracks, but we've got more than one hairline crack, and they're all joining up. It's, this is a bit like the pictures of dried mud you see in the desert when all of the cracks in the earth are just, you know, they're joining up in all these hexagons. That's Rabbi Yudah. The sages say, doesn't make any difference. That for both of them, someone who eats it is liable for karet. And how do the Chachamim define siur? siur kol sifu panav kadam sheamdu sarotav. Kol sifu panav what is siur when its face is uh, is whitened when its face is blanched whose face are we talking about i think we're talking about the face of the dough here but hang on but here's the pun coming like a man whose hair is standing up when you're so scared that your hair stands up on end then your face goes all white and apparently the dough, when it's just beginning to ferment, it goes all, it seems to go all white, like um, like a man who's um, like a man whose uh, face is all blanched. I, I can't really I mean, I can I can't do anything more than take this at face value because we don't really understand the 
you know, what dough looked like in the time of the Mishnah and how you define these. But I'm, I mean, we can see the play on words between Se'ar and Se'ar and Se'or. And gosh, well, they didn't have, um, they didn't have stopwatches in the time of the Mishnah. So they are completely dependent on, uh, on what they can see. And I think, by the way, what the Chachamim are saying, by the way, is that if you can see these cracks on the top of the dough, there's a lot more underneath the dough. In other words, what you see on the top reflects what is going on below. And of course, that's why both for Siyur and for Ziduk, they say, look, guys, you know, you don't eat it. You don't eat it because you're Chayav Karet if you, if you eat it. The Mishnah then goes on to talk about, I mean, we're talking about removing this stuff. The Mishnah then goes on to talk about what happens if the removal day is on Shabbat. But if Pesach falls on Shabbat, that's not really a problem because we get everything ready for Pesach anyway. But if Erev Pesach is on Shabbat, and this happens very, very rarely, by the way, the way the rabbis organize the calendar to make sure it happens very, very rarely. Sometimes happens, though. If Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, that is really complicated because how do you get rid? You can't burn your chametz on Shabbat. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to get rid of your chametz on Shabbat? That's the question, the next question the Mishnah addresses in Mishnah 6. The 14th falls on Shabbat. And we're going to have Rabbi Meir now. Rabbi Meir says, look, we're going to get rid of everything before Shabbat. And that is pretty much our practice now. I mean, we, by the way, keep a couple of halot, a couple of loaves of bread to actually eat on Shabbat. So we don't get rid of all of it. And that's because we have a custom not to eat matzah on Erev Pesach. And I think the Vilna Ga'on, I think it's the Vilna Ga'on who says eating, no, it's, uh, anyway, so, uh, we, we don't eat matzah on, on, on Erev Pesach. But maybe it's not quite clear what Rabbi Meir does. He doesn't refer to keeping some aside. He just says you get rid of it. So Rabbi Meir Clearly, he's going to eat bread on Shabbat. So maybe at the time of the Mishnah, they didn't have the halacha that you shouldn't eat Pesach on Erev Shabbat. Rabbi Meir certainly doesn't mention it. And then the Chachamim say, the Chachamim Omrim, Bismanan, the sages say, at its time, you can remove everything at its regular time. So they then will be removing it and... Um, you know, casting it to the wind, or they'll, they'll be removing it and covering it, or casting it to the wind, or throwing it, probably not throw it in the sea, because you can't do that on Shabbat. But they'll be removing it in some way at its time. And Rabbi Elazar ben Sadok Omer, Truma Rabbi Elazar ben Sadok says, Truma before Shabbat, and regular food, or Chulim, at its time. Because, of course, we're not going to just, if it's Truma, we can't just throw that you know, crumble it in the wind. If it's truma, we really do need to burn it. And of course, we absolutely cannot burn it on Shabbat. So with truma, we have a real problem. Truma, we clearly have to get rid of it before Shabbat. But chulin, we could, you know, well, we could eat it. We could throw it in. Anyway, we can get rid of it in various ways. And 
that really is where we're going to close today. Next, that, that is where we're going to close today. And the, the rest of the chapter deals with what happens if we've forgotten something. But that's where we're going to close today. And we'll deal with that next time. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>